message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go C1. your feet right now we're going to get into the word how many of you love scripture you love god's word is this a church that says we love to hear from god this is my favorite part of the service and it has nothing to do with the fact that i'm preaching i just love god's word and i know if i can get you into a place where you hear what he has to say for you you will leave this place changed forever and it's happening every single week Uh oh here it comes excalibur my sword <laughs> am i right I don't know about you, I think the phone thing is cool. If you're taking notes with your phone today, that's fine. We're not judging you. You can do it. I just like the old school Bible. Just makes me feel more righteous. Is that wrong? <laughs> um, but we're going to read today. All right, I'm going to barely hold it together today. We're in John chapter 11. I'm going to read you a couple of verses, and then I'm going to let you sit down, and we're going to recline you and refine you in your big leather plushy seat in the movie theater. It says, a man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, sister oh man, sister, Martha. This was the same Mary who, who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent the word to Jesus, Master, the one who you love so much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, the sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Can I get? and amen to that so on your way back down to be seated tell somebody your miracle is on the way tell that person you ignored it's coming and you can go ahead and sit back and fall into that twin size mattress we're calling a recliner everyone who listens to the podcast has the same question i want to see their church because he talks about these recliners but you know it's a good thing i tell him um it's all right to recline back a little bit as long as you don't fall asleep and i do reserve the right to take this microphone and literally run through the aisles if i have to okay i've tested the the length on this cordless and it can do it and i will come after you but we're starting this new message series called Endless Weekend. And if you know anything about me, for those of you who are just getting to know me for the first time, there are two types of people primarily. There are woe boys and there are go boys. So there's guys that their wives, their girlfriends have to kick them in the butt. Let's go. And they have to take the Xbox, throw it out of the window and do everything they can to get their guy going. Then there's this other kind of man that is a whoa boy that's like, whoa, like stop for a second. Like, can we get some time not doing something? And for those of you who know me, I am more like a whoa boy. I err on the side of God stopping me from doing stuff than starting me. I'm serious. That's like, I hate this theology of like, well, God hasn't released me to do it yet. Well, what about all the things he did release you to do in this book? Can we just start doing that right now? So I'm a woe boy and, and people who are on our team watch God physically and his sovereignty stop me from doing things all the time. But when I get to heaven, I'm getting a high five. God's going to be like, good, good. You know, that, have you ever walked a dog that hasn't been broken yet and they're walking you? 
You know what I'm saying? Like they're physically walking you, you're not walking them. That's sometimes how I get with God because I don't want to miss the moment. And so anyways, recently I took this uh, vacation before we moved out here to plant this church and somebody came through for us and we got like one of those divine hookups, which was cool. And it was my very first ever cruise. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my background. I was raised on welfare and when you're raised on welfare, you don't go on cruises. Okay, you cruise down to the stove. <laughs> you cruise, you cruise down to your friend's house. Cruising is something you do in a car, not a boat, right? Where you come from, where I come from. Well, and so I, I uh, so I had waited all the way till I was in my 30s to go on my first cruise. And what happened? It was this mysterious, crazy thing. My phone, I couldn't use it without getting a five thousand dollar phone bill. And I had no access to technology and I couldn't physically work. I couldn't do a project. I couldn't get involved in anything. And it was about eight to nine hours in that type of environment that all of a sudden I got so drowsy, I thought my wife roofied me. That was actually what I thought, like my wife drugged me now because she's gonna try to get me to calm down. And I spent like two, three days in a twilight that was just, I guess my body powering down after three decades of madness. And I got this awesome rest and then this crazy thing happened to me on an island in the Caribbean. I turned full on reggae Jamaican and was like, I never, I can't even do, I'm not even gonna try to do the accent. But basically I was like, I never wanna work again. Like I clicked into this mode. I was like, this is what it feels like when people don't think. Because <laughs> I can't stop thinking now it's over. And, and, it's, and so what we're working with this series is the endless weekend. And I don't know about you guys, but New Yorkers know how to work. You all are on the grind. I'm on the grind with you. And sometimes by the time Saturday happens, do you ever just feel like, I want an endless weekend? You ever feel like that? Am I the only one who's like, I want an endless weekend? And we're gonna be talking about the true endless weekend that God has for every single one of us. And uh, it's the fact that according to the Bible, you will never taste death if you are a true believer. And some of you in this place who aren't connected to the spiritual realm yet are like, I'd rather have the vacation right now. <laughs> I'd rather have the, the boat tour right now. But we're going to be talking about endless weekend. We've got this guy, Lazarus, in the Bible who started his endless weekend a little, a little early. And his friends were upset about it. Martha and Mary, his sister, and some friends said, Jesus, you've got to come do something about this situation. And let me just pick back up. It says this. When Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying his son. And isn't it funny how God has a way of redefining the stuff that, that seems so bad in our lives? Like literally this dude is dying. By the time they got to Jesus, he's dead. And Jesus' response is, it's not fatal. You know, like, let me just say like this. There is this phenomenon in culture where men get a cold and you would think they were in the final stages of birth and delivery. Am I the only one? Like, I'm a manly man. I very rarely get sick. But when I do, the black robe comes on. And when I come out of the bathroom with the black robe, my wife and kids are like, don't even want to talk to dad. He's in the final stages of labor. It's literally the equivalent when I get a cold. Jesus did something, and, and Julie does this to me. Julie's like, it's not that bad. You're fine. Suck it up. You know, travel around the world, have jet lag, switch time zones four times. And she's like, you got to increase your capacity if God's going to use you more. Can I get a hand clap for a godly woman? Thank you, Julie. I'm saying it from the mic. Thank you, Julie. 
So here comes Jesus, and they're like, our brother's dying. He says, I ain't fatal. I'm going to get some glory out of it. I got some other things going on right now. Don't you hate it when God doesn't treat your emergency like the emergency you feel like it is? Can I get an amen on that? Sometimes it's okay to talk back to the preacher. Just don't use whole sentences. Because then I have to edit the podcast. Verse 5 says, Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, but oddly, everyone say oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. Don't you hate it when God does some odd things in your life? Have you ever felt like you needed breakthrough so bad? You were literally like, God, Chase Bank just told me I was negative. I kind of need you right now. And oddly, I'm not getting any calls back for the resumes I sent out. Is there anyone ever hiring on Long Island? Don't you hate it when God does something oddly in your life? Am I the only one that has felt like the way God's dealing with me is very odd? I still haven't been able to figure him out. It's almost like, just hear me, that his ways are higher than my ways and I don't understand them. It's almost like his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but I just don't seem to understand what he's doing. It's odd in my life. Let me just tell you, if you're here right now and can't figure out all the twists and turns of your life, if I could take your perspective and have you go V1 for a second, which means the point of no return when you're an aircraft, the thing that looks so confusing and so dismal to you is actually the, this landscape and a tapestry of God's majesty in your life if you could get a higher perspective. And what was happening is that Jesus was flying in this aerial perspective and he was looking down. You know, I don't know if you've ever flown before, but it's like sometimes when you're on the road and you're getting lost and you finally got get up in an airplane and see that same landscape, you realize, man, there's order to it. It's actually a grid system. It's actually perfect squares from a higher perspective. But when you're down low, you can't see it. And some of you in this place, there's things that have been happening in your life through the course of decades that you are so down in it that it takes you coming to church and hearing the preacher tell you that God's got a higher perspective. And what's odd to you is called a miracle scenario for Jesus in the making. And we're going to leave some room for God to do it today. I love this story. I mean, a lot of preachers preach on Lazarus, come forth and all that, and they get super Pentecostal at the end, but we're not going to look at it like that today. We're going to look at it a little bit differently. What's it like to be the people asking Jesus to do something for somebody you love and it never happens on the time frame you want it to happen? What's it like to be somebody who's got a physical condition and the doctors told you when you were going to die and you're saying, God, it's very odd the way you're working this one out. I don't understand. I don't understand. Let's keep reading. It says this, uh, uh, verse eight, they said, Rabbi, you can't do that. Now, this is funny because Jesus said, I'm going to take a couple days and I'm going to go this route and travel through this region where a whole bunch people want to kill me and just like any good follower they said you know what rabbi you can't do that the jews are out to kill you and you're going and, and, and you're going back to that region here's the thing about it you can't tell jesus what he can't do you can't tell jesus the route that he wants to take to do it See, if, if I had the opportunity to lay my life out, I would have made a lot of different choices. And there's two different choices um, that occur in your life. There's the ones that you made and you become the victim of the consequence of your own decisions. But then there's also the choices that were made for you on behalf of other people that you become a victim of as well. 
And you're constantly living in a vortex of those two things in your life. And, and they told Jesus, they said, Jesus, you cannot go to that region. You can't make this delay. So you had all these people ticked off about Jesus' leadership decision. And this is a side note for those of you in leadership. Sometimes you're going to have to make a hard decision and all your followers and all your friends are going to unanimously disagree. And it doesn't say nothing about the validity of the decision you're making. And Jesus was in that situation right now where he's got all the disciples saying, we can't do that. And this is what I love. I love my man, Thomas. It says this, it's so good. He said, in verse eight, they said, Rabbi, you can't do that. And then later on, it basically, you know, one of the disciples said, you know what? Let's just go. I love this. This is verse 12. The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep and they start dialoguing it out and finally one of them says, you know what? If Jesus is going that route, let's just go and die with him. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes there's a point of surrender that you have to have in your life where you say, God, if this is the route that you're choosing, it's a good day to die. It's a good day to die to my desires. It's a good day to die to what I want. It's a good day to die to my own way of thinking. If you said you're going this way, I'm gonna go with you. Is there anyone in this room or anyone listening on the podcast right now who needs to hear it's a good day to die to self? Because if you've ever encountered the real craziness of your life, it has been the result of your own decisions. Am I the only one? I, I look back at my life and it's like, man, it was real crazy going through, I went through as a child, but my adult life was a little bit crazier because of my own own screw-ups isn't it amazing how some of the forgiveness that you're able to pour out to other people as an adult is actually flowing from your own screw-ups because you realize that even your best efforts to not become the people that hurt you you still become them at times and so you're able to say man I guess I'm one too my sin was great but his love was greater and I got to pour some love out and Jesus is here on a journey. I love verse 11 says this. He said these things and it answered, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and he'll wake up feeling fine. You know, you got that friend who always gives you the bad advice, right? That friend who's like, it's going to be great. You're like, I'm dying. <laughs> Do you not get it? And I love what Jesus does in this moment. In verse 14, he says, then Jesus became explicit. Can you say the word explicit? Now, there's this funny phenomenon that as a man living alone, I always know where things are at in my house. But when you get a wife, they will, they will put them away. And when they put them away, they do something to your brain that makes you physically unable to see them when you're looking right at it. It happened, I literally was gonna use this in my notes for this Sunday and it happened twice this morning. And as it was happening, I'm like, I'm living my message out loud right now. I'm like, Julie, where did you put my deodorant? She's like, it's in the cabinet. I was literally looking at the same shelf and my brain was like, she moved it, it's gone. Has, you, has that ever happened? <laughs> she, my brain, so she stole your deodorant and threw it in the garbage. And I'm looking at my deodorant, but my brain's like, it's not there. And then she yells from the other side of the 600 square foot shanty we live in and says, it's on the second shelf. And then all of a sudden my brain said, you're wrong again, you idiot. <laughs> but this is how we do God. It's right in front of you the whole time. But your own mind has made up the reality that you choose to see 
and God's doing something right in front of you and you've told yourself it's something it's not and you believe it and God's like, it's right on the second shelf right in front of you. I am not hiding from you. I don't give my heart in pieces. I've given the fullness of my spirit to you. You have access to this realm. You've got information. I gave you the Bible. Yes, you are gonna do all I called you to do and the picture begins to change in your mind. And you know what? Sometimes we need God to make things explicit. And Jesus lovingly said, and I love it, because now mind you, two times now Jesus has just said, he's fallen asleep. It's, it's not fatal. He's talking like that. And then you see him flip and he says, Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I am glad for your sakes I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. And let me just tell you this. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, and here's why. He says, Lazarus died. And you know, I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there. But guess what's going to happen? You are about to gain more ground on the other side of your believing. And there's something that has to happen in every single one of your lives in this room where God gets explicit for you and actually lays it out the way it really is because we have this uncanny ability to live in a fantasy land. And he said, okay, let me just go ahead and break this down for you. You're stubborn and you're mean and you're rude with your words and you keep cutting people up. That's who you are. Sometimes he has to get explicit and say, you know what, Mike, the way that you're stewarding your body, you're not going to be able to pastor this church as long as you want to get your butt in the gym. Sometimes he's got to make it explicit and say, you know what, you're putting up a good facade like your marriage is great, but behind the scenes, you're tearing it down and your legacy is going to be all that garbage of verbal abuse. Sometimes there comes a point where somebody has to speak the hard thing in your life and get explicit with you and say, guess what? Okay, I tried to redefine the situation. Pastor Mike tried to give you the faith version every single week in a row through Prodigy and Better Together and all the other series. He tried to tell you in the nicest way possible that it wasn't fatal, that he wasn't dead. But guess what? Now he's really dead. And sometimes God has to get us to the point where he says, guess what? You are an alcoholic. Guess what? You are a deadbeat dad. Guess what? And make it explicit. But this is the good news. He says this. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, but then he flips it. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. I, let me just say it again. Some of you in this place, you may have entered in any one of those things that I mentioned, but you are gaining new ground today for believing. New ground in your marriage, new ground in your walk with Christ, new ground in your home, new ground as a parent. Do you hear me? Does anyone want me to preach to them today? You are gaining new ground today on the other side of your believing. And maybe if you don't know the end of the story, let me tell you, Jesus stands before that tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out and he's wrapped in these grave clothing. And then everyone is able to see that God did the very thing that he said he could do. And I could imagine that there are a lot of disciples that said, well, now I guess we feel a little stupid because we miss God the whole time. And I guess Mary and Martha were like, man, I guess I feel a little stupid because God was doing this and I missed it. Don't be the disciples and Mary and Martha who miss it the entire time because there's another way the story could go. 
Hey, Jesus, I got an opportunity for a miracle for you. I'm really messed up right now, but I believe you can do anything. Can you do it in my life? Hey, Jesus, I, I've got something for you. I know that nothing is impossible for you, and my marriage is really messed up right now. I know you can do it. Hey, hey, guess what, Jesus? I know right now I'm single, but you've got somebody for me. And as I work on me, you're working on them, and you're going to put us together, and then we're going to just replicate and do everything you said to do with the book of Genesis, Jesus. <laughs> and the single people shout amen. <laughs> but you have a choice in this matter what you're going to do and who you're going to be in this situation right now. And sometimes the most offensive thing Jesus does is redefine your situation and tell it, call it something different. And then after he redefines it and offends you, he offends you again by telling you explicitly what it is. Isn't that crazy? And the whole time he's getting you into a position to understand something that you need to understand the whole time. Let me just say this. I love it so much. In verse 25, it says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am here right now. Resurrection in life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? And he was asking the question because he said, on the other side of this belief, you will take new ground. Do you believe that I am resurrection and life? Do you believe that I'm here right now to do the impossible? And if you will believe, you will take ground. And this is what I wanted to tell somebody in this place. This is the word that the Lord gave me for you this week. And I've been feeling it like fire in my bones all week is that the countdown has begun. The countdown in your life has begun. From the very moment that they came and they said, Jesus, you don't understand. Lazarus is dead. We need him. And he went on this two-day journey and they didn't understand. At the very moment that they released that petition to Jesus, the countdown had become until Lazarus was going to come out of that place of death into new life. The countdown had already started. And what somebody in this place needs to hear is that the countdown has already begun. But will you make the countdown quit or will you quit before after the before the countdown will you quit too soon or will you make the countdown quit and too many of us if you've been like me you give up while the clock has still got time because you don't know the end how many sports victories are won right before the buzzer some of you in this place you've got a buzzer style victory getting ready to happen and you're seeing the clock wind down and you're like it's impossible it's impossible but God's saying I'm on my way and if I take a two-day journey it's not for me, it's for you. I've delayed, not denied. I might be two days away, but in those two days, something's gonna happen in your character. Something's gonna happen in your life. You're gonna learn something more about what it means to take new ground. Is there anyone in this place who is ready to take some new ground? Is there anyone who will stand to your feet right now with me and preach this message? Because I'm telling you, the countdown has begun. Yes, you're single, but you can be alone, but not lonely. Yes, you're single but your physical body can die and you can live forevermore and have the endless weekend. Yes, you're depressed, but your brain can change because God is able to do that which you are not able to do. And see, Lazarus was not the miracle maker. What I love about this story so much is that Lazarus was wrapped up in grave clothes, literally, literally his hands and his feet bound up. He was in a place of death, which meant it was not by might nor by power, but it was going to be by God's resurrection spirit that made that miracle possible.
impossible. And we have bought the lie in 21st century Christianity that it's the power of positive thinking. We've bought the lie that if you read enough scripture and pray enough that you can do it, it's going to have to come no other way. Sometimes I'm not dismissing modern means. I'm not dismissing psychology that's been established, but there are things that exist outside the boundaries of what any human being can do. And God reserves that space for his spirit. He reserves that space for his glory. And see what was happening in this situation was God would say, I'm going to let it get a little bit more impossible so I can prove that I'm the God of impossibility. I'm going to let it get a little crazier to prove that I'm the one who did it. And if you're anything like me, there's no way I could be here right now preaching this message. And there's somebody in here that's saying there's no way I can get free. There's no way I can break the bond of addiction. There's no way I can have the marriage of my dreams. And I'm telling baby, you better wake up because Jesus is on the way and the countdown is running down. The countdown is running down. That two-day journey is now one day and that two-day journey is right now and you've got a divine appointment in your life to be in this place right now and I'm not sorry for getting loud because people pay for this decibel level at a concert because when Jesus said Lazarus come forth he raised his decibel levels and I'm asking is there anyone in this place who will get loud with me and say I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready God I'm telling you, here, you know what happens on ESPN? See, you can throw the same three-pointer up in the middle of the game, and that doesn't make the top ten on ESPN. But as that clock is running out, and right when it looks like the game's over, and you just need three more points to win the game, and you throw that same shot that you made in the middle of the game at the end of the game, now you make the countdown. Now you make the top ten on ESPN. And some of you, God has reserved the finest hour of your life for the end. He's reserved it to a point where it is going to make the scoreboard of heaven and ESPN heaven, because you know they got it up there, is going to play the, the replay and they're going to say, you see, everyone thought it was over. I mean, look at the Bible. Can you look at the Bible with me? Samson, they plucked his eyes out, cut his locks off, everything's over, and now he's between two pillars for the temple of Dagon, which was the god of fertility, which represented the very sex and crap that brought him down in his life. And he's now standing between the two pillars of the very temple that represents everything that destroyed his potential. And right as the countdown reached zero, he began to push with everything he had. And all of a sudden, those pillars came down. And in one day, his entire destiny was fulfilled. So you don't have the right to tell God what he can't do. You don't have the right to tell him what he can't do with you. Because the last day of your life might be the most significant one. You don't get to tell God what the countdown can produce in your life. And so if you're here with me right now and you're saying, I feel that countdown, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to count to three up. We're going to count from three down to one. And we've got these prayer boxes on each side. Now, this might not be for everyone. And listen, everything you've experienced today has probably been weird to you if you've never been to a church like this. But sometimes you got to do something different to get something different. And, and I'd rather err on being a fool for Christ because, you know, I had no problem being a fool in, in the world. But what we're going to do is I'm going to count three, two, one. And when I get to one, if you're in your seat, we've got... Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. 
Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.